And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 37 here on May 21st. We'll get this out just in time for your afternoon drive. Want to uh, welcome everybody. I'm Tom Pyle, the co-host. And I'm your intern, Mike McKenna. And we have a special show today. <laughs> we have a returning guest, but not only are we going to have this returning guest for a segment of the show, we're going to have him join along in the fun. But we're not going to let him talk. <laughs> he's not going to talk or anything. He's just going to say yeah a lot, right? He's like he's like Ed, uh, Ed McMahon, right? So we've got Daniel Simmons with us. Daniel, as you know, was an IR senior policy director for ten years or something so? like that. Uh, oh, too wow. too long is the short and answer. And then can... he left us to work for that guy that they don't say his name, but we always do here on this show. President Donald Trump. Can we J. use his Trump, actual title? Fifth President of the United States. You know, sure, yeah, I'm going to let him reintroduce himself here in a second. Well, and, he's going to uh, screw up his own title. It is the honorable. Daniel Simmons. Oh, honorable. thank you. Thank I apologize. You. You're absolutely of course, I also right. want to point out that the honorable goes along with me, so it's not really that valuable. <laughs> yeah. Follow what I'm saying. So, Dan, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it, it, it's good to be back. And also, does it feel We'll find out. Do you feel a little karma here in the studio? Oh, yes, because it used to be my office yeah. once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. It, so, and, and as soon as you moved out, the parents changed it completely, so you, <laughs> you couldn't move back in. No, actually, we left it stagnant for a while, thinking that, you know, the whole Trump thing wouldn't last for long. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd be coming back, but yeah. the, the president managed to make it through the term. Yeah, no, for all four years, you're, you're welcome. We won the impeachment vote specifically for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Um, where do we start here today? We want to talk pipelines again. Should we get into the pipeline conversation? Is that what you want to talk about? I, it's just a suggestion. I don't know. Well, sure, why not? What the All heck? right, let's do it. Um, Are you in favor or opposed? Well, I am in favor of pipelines, and I understand that um, some else, people in the administration are now in favor of pipelines. Everybody else, the, it's the like, big it's like, pipeline. It's like a rash went right? went under went uh, stagnant for a few for a few days. There, uh, things seem to be back to normal, though. Uh, gas prices are still higher. Uh, but at least well, there's gas to be found here keep in mind, the region. You got, the summer, you got the summertime blend coming in, right? So that's going to that's bumps up, uh, bumping up the gas prices. Um, and what you're going to find is nobody has premium. They all have regular, but not premium because there was a the um, shippers made a decision they wanted to have regular um, instead of premium. The other thing, and I probably want to say this right at the outset, this thing, this this um, this now two week thing has been a remarkable display of American technology. Yes, it has. And 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 the the our friends on the Hill are going to, of course, call Colonial up for two separate hearings in the first week of June, um, and it's just going to be the CEO of Colonial. And what the guys on the Hill don't understand is, um, Joe Blount is a lot smarter than they are, and a lot tougher than they are, and he's not going to care. I think they're expecting your usual CEOs can be like, yeah, we felt really bad about what happened and what we did. But blah, 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 blah. Joe's going to be like, you guys left us alone with a bunch of pirates. So we did what we needed to do. We got people gas. That's that. You know, I hope that's the case. But you know how these guys get in front of in front of these Joe's, Joe's very important people. Joe's so. Joe's is third time CEO. He's been this third company has been CEO of 67 years old, been in the business forever. He is without a doubt one of my favorite people in energy space because he just like, here it is, boys. And he's just going to let them have it. It's going to be great. So we have three. We, we talked about uh, line five last episode in in the state of Michigan. 
and how the governor uh, there would was trying to kill the existing pipeline, and of course, and breach contract obligations to Canada and treaty. Yes, treaty, treaty obligations, obligations to Canada. Obligations. Yeah. And my understanding is is that Enbridge went forward. It was Enbridge, right? That yeah, Enbridge. It. And Enbridge. they went forward yeah. and defied the the the, the stop no, order. The trespassing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and where does that stand right now? Does anybody know? Um, it's a Mexican standoff with the. It's a Canadian standoff. It's a Mexican standoff oh, okay. um, with the Canadian government and Enbridge, and the governor all pointing guns, but not at each other, right? Enbridge, you know, Canada's a customer for Enbridge, right? So, um, I'm not sure how it turns out, but like you say, at the top of the top of the story, right? Um, all these people are now in favor of pipelines. So I don't know how they walk this stuff back. Uh, you know, Secretary Peter Paul Buttigieg and Secretary Jenny. Jenny. And um, I was told by a, a listener that that was um, that could be considered sexist or to diminish her. And in no way do I mean to diminish her awesome accomplishments, um, nor her um, complete and absolute grasp on every energy topic. But I'm still going to call her Secretary Jenny if it's all the same because it fits. So anyway, she's in favor of pipes. Um, Pete's in favor of pipes. Even, even I think even Jen Psaki got on record as being in favor uh, of pipes yeah. at the end of it. Well, so they're in favor of so, some pipes. Pipes are the best. They, they, some pipes. They all uh, said the same thing. Pipes are the best way to move this stuff. All pipes are equal, but some pipes are more equal than others. George Orwell. Go ahead, so, go ahead, Dan. What do you want to say? I, I, I was just going to say I, I listened to the uh, uh, Secretary Granholm was on the Hill before House Energy I'm and sorry, Commerce who? this week. Who? Secretary Granholm. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> we all have was, our own style. These former we, these former DOE guys, they're they're not to be trusted. <laughs> uh, and obviously, her quote that the pipe is the best way to go was brought up a number of times in. You know, with with that, with line five, with Dakota access and what the way that she tried to walk this, walk that quote back a little bit was to say, well, it was the best case in when you're talking about colonial. But, you know, there's specific <laughs> circumstances where that might not there, there, there may be some other, you know, th that it might not be the best. And it, it was uh, it was it was kind of amusing to watch her kind of try to walk back. An obviously true statement about pipelines. Yeah. So Circleback did have some comments about uh, can, can about I, the pipe also. Can I pop in right real quick here for a yeah. second? Yeah. This whole thing. No, no actually, run, 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 run. Well, I want to run a very – well, yeah. actually, because I want to – I'll wait for us to conclude this part because it segues to yet another okay. pipeline. Let, let me throw Let me throw a real quick, a real quick um, thought out there, right, that we've talked about before. And <clears> – <throat> The problem with setting up the administration this way, right, where all your actual people are in the White House and all your um, face people are out in the out in the cabinets, um, cabinet departments, is when something like this happens, nobody wants to see Dave Hayes at the microphone. They want to see the relevant cabinet agency um, head, right? And the problem with that is, is that if your agency heads are not quite as sharp as they should be, you get answers like this and you, you they, they wind up walking the administration into bad spots, right? And you wind up having to clean messes up. And you know, the great thing about it is as this administration wears on, folks like Secretary Granholm, Secretary Buttigieg, they're going to start thinking they're actually in charge. They're going to start talking in public more, not less. And this stuff's going to, it's going to accelerate as it, as it heads downhill. I, I'm, 
it's a tremendously interesting thing from a public administration standpoint. You know, this we're going to run this whole thing off of staff, not principals, and it's going to fail at the end of the day. I wasn't sure whether it was going to fail or not, but this whole colonial thing makes me think it's going to fail. Well, according to you, that we've reached the apex of the Biden administration already. So okay. we hit I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to so... say anything. But but. The Wall Street Journal basically – I wrote that on April 14th, and the Wall Street Journal wrote it like two days ago. They rewrote my column They for should me. hire you, man. They should get shot for being they plagiarists. They should hire you. Jared, Gerard Baker is the guy who wrote that story, and you know what? I even sent it to Paul Jago. I said, hey, great story. I said, it's a nice build-on to my thing that I wrote a month ago, and I sent him like the, what I wrote a month ago, and he never got back to me. Paul? He's a very busy man. Gerard if you're going to steal my stuff, you should at least do me the courtesy of like mentioning who you're stealing it from. Now we got that off our system. I feel much better. System. I feel much better. Do you have any thoughts, uh, uh, other thoughts on her testimony before the Energy and Commerce Committee, other than the fact that she didn't succeed in walking back her, her comment about pipes? She's not circling back. She's walking she's, back. She's walking back. Not. It, 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 it's always a reminder of how tough it is. Um, when, when you get really good questions asked by members of Congress, it's that is that is a rare event. It's not a frequent event. At least at least when the uh, so yeah. Let me but let me ask so. you how you handle those questions because if you don't know the answer, you just say you don't know the answer, right? There's no shame in that, right? Or say hey, I'll I'll circle back. Well, that, yes, and there and there there literally is no shame, and no one like because like you cannot go up there when you when you're the person testifying and you're before these guys like you cannot know everything, and uh, there was no way that she can know everything. One thing I'll say about it is that one thing that was super helpful for her is that her sitting in her office with her aides around her and her aides out in front of her with the you know with note cards and with their teleprompter, like she was ready and like. The her her head house uh, um, house affairs woman is very good. They had the questions from the Dems ready to go, like their answers ready to go, and in that like in that case, she did a very good job because like it was like on her on her teleprompter right. for her to for her to read. It was like in that sense, it was a very good job of of staff work beforehand that you know is is something that you don't see i mean i was up testifying and i got this question from the chairman of a committee and i'm just like dude why didn't your staff ask us this yesterday? I could have given you an answer on the record. You could have had a great answer on the record when you're springing a question on me I, that I don't have the answer to. I, I can't really help you. Yeah, and you know these guys. None of these guys ever know how to. I, I don't understand why, but none of them can ever just look and say, "Hey, man, I'll, I'll get you that for the record." Right. You know, I, I, it's a thirty billion dollar department. We do a lot of stuff. We're making nuclear weapons. We're we're loading up the country with toxic waste. We're passing out money like drunken sailors. I can't keep track of all of it. I'm just a secretary here. Well, one, I mean, one thing it did highlight, though, is <laughs> I'm is never the, going back to the department. I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> one thing that the testimony did highlight is that when it she she needs to get on the road and she needs to see the national labs. You need to go see Hanford. You know, they're the crown jewels. Of the whatever, the blah, 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 so. blah, blah. Yes, go If ahead. we're spending – if if her job is to spend billions of dollars at these places, then she needs to understand she needs what, to see Hanford. what they're actually doing and to go to Hanford and to understand yeah, what that, what I, yeah, that place really is. Can I amend is. this for just one second? Because everybody says, go see the labs. I'm like, there's nothing to see at the labs. It's a complete waste of time. They, you show up. They give, you, they give you the dog and pony. They feed you lunch. They put you back on a plane. You say something real nice like this. This lab is one of the crown jewels of America's research and development. Blah 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 blah. blah right? It's always the same routine. They should go see the weapon sites. 
nobody goes to see the weapon sites because they just look at it like, yeah, we got the NSA for that. I mean, how many out other than Amarillo? How many weapon sites did Secretary Perry see? I, I guarantee. As far as I know, that he saw them all because that was his goal. But can't really, can't really say. Um, he, he liked to travel, though. He, he probably, loved to travel. I'm not talking about them. Saudi Arabia nuclear sites. Now I'm talking about American nuclear weapon sites. Well, I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure he went to Kansas City, went to Texas. He went uh, to Amarillo in Kansas City. <laughs> all right, Spanning the globe. All right. I want to stick with Let's, pipes for a minute. Pipelines. Why? I got a quick clip from oh, Circle Back. Circle I want to play. I want to see if you guys can catch catch the smirk in this <laughs> response. On Nord Stream, I know that there's a lot of talk about Nord Stream and Keystone, and I'm just trying to help our catch that yeah Ducey made Ducey from fox noon made, made the link that we've all made between the decision to kill the keystone pipeline and the decision to allow the russians to move forward on Nord Stream on Nord Stream in europe yeah and she's like oh is there yeah you know the terrible thing about that decision it was the it was how embarrassing it was he he wouldn't just say hey you know we're gonna waive all the sanctions we sanctioned boats now, we sanctioned two boats. Now, these boats are sort of specialized, right, in that they, they lay pipe in, in, in marine environments, right? But they're not the only two on the whole planet. And the administration, the pushback I got from my friends in the administration was, well, you know, we sanctioned those boats, and they're pretty rare commodities, and it's really going to hurt the Russians. I'm like, are you guys from yeah, this planet? No, they're going to take, take them into a shipyard in Norway. They're going to sand off the paint. They're going to repaint it and give it a new name. It's going to be out here on the streets in six months after it's done with dropping the pipe for Nord Stream. President Trump, one of his first trips to Europe, or one of his first meetings with Merkel, dressed her down about this pipeline. Well, okay. Was very, very firm about it. Yeah. And the, the, the administration did the right thing. Rose, rose awareness about it, and then pressure from the hill. We the the that combination enabled the, the delay of this thing for as long as it has been. Yeah. And then, just like he's just like with a stroke of a pen, killing the Keystone, he literally yeah. just move forward with this with this Russian pipeline that goes to Germany, which doubles the capacity. There's a there's already one line. This is why it's called Nord Stream Two. And this really, really hurts our friends in Eastern Europe, big right. time. It, it does, big time. It does. But you know, the the um, look. Let me let me give you the pro argument for Nord Stream Two, right? It ties the Russians and the Germans um, closer together economically, and that's probably going to have some some pretty good knock on effects um, between that. You know, just solidifying and stabilizing um, Europe. Um, the I, I don't really care whether Nord Stream Two gets done or not. Honest to God, that's that's a decision between the Russians and the Germans. I don't I don't understand why anyone in the United States cares about this. I really don't. 
you know, does it does it compromise Bulgaria and whatnot? Yeah, but not nearly as much as Turkstream does or would, right? Um, you know, the reality of it is this. There's a bunch of gas, cheap gas in Russia. It's going eastward some way. It's going to go by pipe. It's going to go by LNG carrier, but it's going eastward. And the only question is, is how? And I, I don't, I have never understood why Americans got all hung up on this thing. What bothers me about the president is the within 10 days of looking at our most important energy asset and saying, you guys are on your own with the Russians. And make no mistake, the colonial thing was a, was a state actor, right? You're on your own with your Russians. He turns around and gives the Russians a free pass on this thing. It's bad. A couple of things, though. It looks bad. It looks bad, and it is bad. So G- Germany does not need this gas. I don't know what that means. They already have – they with the first – with Nord Stream 1 or whatever, they have more than enough gas. Mm-hmm. This is about Germany – being able to wheel gas, sure. Russian gas yeah. around yeah. as they see fit. It, 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 it's not a it's not a German energy security issue. Uh, here, look at he, all. Here's what I here's here's my problem with this. Here's my problem with this. What does that have to do with me? Why should I care about that? Not, this has nothing to do with me. It doesn't affect my life in the least. And the reality of Europe has been for. Well, since the 1870 Franco-Prussian War, that the German speakers are dominant on the on the continent, and that's just the way the world is. And if you're Bulgaria, or if you're you know Yugoslavia, or you know one of the countries that became you know busted up after you, you're gonna have to learn to live with that. You're gonna have to figure out how to deal with the Russians and the Germans. I, you know, we already we've already fought one war. Um, Really, yeah, two this, wars over this problem with, of you know, not I'm being not comfortable with the we Germans. Go that far, but this cut under this cuts the legs out of Ukraine as well. I don't care. So and I Ukraine has been working very hard not to, to be. I don't. I don't. I mean, I feel really captive by the Russians. Great. So. I, I get that. You know the the um, and that actually is a legitimate American interest. Yes. But if you're serious about that, give them tanks. And give them tank killers and let them put it on the let them put it on the border with Russia. Let them start shooting Russians. But worrying about a gas pipeline, it's legit insane. It, it okay. is legit insane. But what it does what it does do is it points out the utter hypocrisy oh, yeah. of this administration oh, yeah. with respect to pipelines. Sure, man. It's like a double whammy. Like even their timing is ridiculous, right? I mean, you got the Colonial Pipeline. You know, I, I Secretary was... Jenny. Was is trying to walk back her her comment. The whole administration is now on record that pipelines are important, but yet Keystone is dead, and all those I, workers are still unemployed. I, and now they're sanctioned. They're basically was, lifting the sanctions off to let the Russians. I was stunned by it. St- tie up with the Germans to continue again, to dominate Eastern Europe, again, and that's again can, insane. Can we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's can insane. We, yeah, can we circle back for a second? Sure. Yeah, let's circle back to our earlier part of the conversation, you, right? Dan, you got to jump in anytime. This is a. We'll tell you to shut up. Um, this is a. Uh, you got so to grab free the mic, my man. You got to grab the mic, but don't don't grab while I'm talking. <laughs> um, this this you know what this is? This is the same. This administration, I, you know that I've always thought the guys in this administration are 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 solid professionals, but this is the kind of stuff that happens when you're running the whole world out of the White House. Nobody, and I'm assuming nobody said. You know, we could probably wait a couple, three weeks to, to pull this trigger on this Russian thing because the timing just looks bad as hell. Anthony Blinken had just come back from Ukraine where he basically said to the Ukrainians, if a shooting war starts, we're on your side. In response, the Russians hack colonial, right? 
and um, we get tangled up with the Michigan and the Canadians um, in, a, in a redux of the War of 1812 over the Enbridge Line 5, right? The better part of Valor would have been like, we probably should wait three weeks before we do anything on this Nord Stream thing. It, it was just a – it's a pathology of when you run everything out of the White House. You don't have enough eyeballs and people thinking about it, and you wind up with these stupid mistakes. Well, and, and why didn't they release it on a – on a on a big news day, like give like I, let I, let something happen and then release it when I, you know when I would release all, it. All the all the things are going on right right before Labor Day. I, I would right more. Before I, I would that, release that it right at right at the lunch that I'm not going to have with Mashlap on the Friday before <laughs> Memorial Day. That's exactly when it is. And I will say this. Too. I, mean, just, I will say this. Simple too. stuff, right? It the, is the administration with respect to pipelines. Yeah, man, is not making decisions that are in the interest of the United States of America or Americans. Agreed. Done. Period. Agreed. Agreed. Bar none. This Agreed. is not this this regardless of how you feel about what's going on in Europe. Yeah. Ultimately, Nord's the construction completion of Nord Stream 2 is not in the interest of the United States. Yeah. It's a marginal thing, I what, suppose. What, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, does yeah, matter, yeah, yeah. What does matter for the interest of of America that's going on in Europe is LNG as in LNG exports from the U.S. and what the Biden administration is going to do to try to slow down uh, LNG exports. Uh, one of the coolest things that I did when I was at DOE is we went uh, we went to Lithuania and uh, and had a meeting with the Lithuanians and some of the other Eastern Europeans. And we had a, a dinner at the uh, U.S. ambassador's house with a bunch of Euro uh, Lithuanian officials. There is a an LNG import terminal in Lithuania. And what was really cool to see was the incredible gratitude that the Lithuanians have for the United States uh, for allowing them to be energy independent now from from Russia. Yeah. Um, and you know that is because of US energy. In that case, it's the export of LNG. And that is one way that uh, that we can be, you know, yeah. and, exporting good well, stuff around and, the world. And that's the thing, right? I mean, not to beat this dead horse, but, um, you know, countries in Europe, um, have two choices outside the Russians, right? They could pay a premium for American LNG because that's what it is, right? Relative to Russian LNG, you're going to pay a premium. What's it worth to you to not be not be beholden to the Russians? Okay, so the Lithuanians have a number on that. So do the Poles, right? Bulgarians probably would if if um, the prime minister wasn't crazy, crazy or corrupt. Um, right. So so there's that way. Or and stop me here if I'm out of bounds. You could drill for your own gas. You could, and there's lots of LNG in the region. I was going to say it's very different. It's, again, we talked about this though. LNG in the United States is different because of where it's located, yeah, and because of our property rights. Yeah, we talked about this at nauseum. Okay, but see, that's I guess that's and what I'm need, saying. If 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 you're going to arrange your society poorly, I'm not sure why I'm yeah, responsible. But there's for a lot this. of reasons for that, right? I mean, we've we've there's been there's Soviet occupation oh, for one. On. Now look, a good friend of mine who has passed away, God rest his soul, said Russia's gas, Russian gas can only be competitive when there's competition. And that's what Lithuania learned. Yeah. Right? Because I will bet that the cost of Russian gas in Lithuania went down. Oh, probably. Oh, probably. sure. Fairly significantly once that, that terminal was built and sure. once they were importing LNG from, from Australia and the United States, for example. Well, and, and, and that's when – I mean that's when you can actually buy from the Russians some is when there's real competition coming yeah. from a, a reliable source. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm like the boss. 
my patience with Europe is wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, and that's the best, that's the bottom line. I mean, nobody ever said that out loud, but that's the truth of the matter. It, you know, there's just a whole huge chunk of the Republican not Party. This crowd, though. They, they want to go right back in, you know, envoy, special envoy carries. His favorite places to visit are European countries. Of course, so they're. It's the only it's the only place people still listen to him. Go, um, ahead. Go ahead. You need anything to move else on. on pipes? No, no. <laughs> All right, well, put that in your pipe. Smoke it. <laughs> I got a story from the Wall Street Journal. May I? May what? I segue? That entire plagiaristic operation. Is this something I wrote first? No, it isn't. This is uh, this is actually late April, but I wanted to throw this out because. Uh, Do you know who wrote it? You remember who wrote it? Charlie Grant. I don't know him. He's on the Tesla. His because Tesla. Beat. Given all yeah. the weird stuff going on with, great, with, with the weird guy Elon and Do, Dogecoin, is that what it's called? I, I, don't I, assume, know. I, assume, Dogecoin, I assume it's Doge and Bitcoin, and and now the Bitcoin is plummeting, and and everyone's pulling back. Turns out that quote here's the headline of the article. Tesla makes more money trading Bitcoin than selling cars. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, no. No, go ahead. I mean, Revenue of $10.4 They were all I was bragging about how much money Tesla made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It turns out that Tesla didn't exactly earn its record profit from selling cars, however. The company said that it sold some of its... $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin that it purchased in February, contributing $101 million to the bottom line, nearly a fourth of its total profit. So this guy, first of all, all I'm, I'm sure the remainder of that profit well, comes uh, from the zero emission vehicle credits well, from well, California. Let me, stop you right, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. I, I think it was the journal wrote this story about a year and a half ago where they actually went through it and it turns out that was all their profit was that was the zero emission credit stuff and cafe credits and all yes. that stuff. Yes. Yeah, where they went through like the $4 billion they made and like some ridiculous, like $3.9 billion of it was, so, uh, was, was gaming governmental systems. So Elon dumps dumped his Bitcoin and then he trashed Bitcoin and started pumping this other coin, right, on Saturday Night Live and whatnot. And then he did a statement the other day on Twitter saying that uh, he's no longer d allowing people to buy the Teslas with Bitcoin. Why? Because of the impact on the environment of mining Bitcoins and the use of coal. The dude, the dude launches rockets. Okay, the dude launches rockets. I'm pretty sure he does that with batteries. Do, battery storage? Do they have batteries? I'm telling you right batteries? now, this this guy is the biggest scam artist and fraudster on the planet, and everyone just keeps lapping it up. He dumped Bitcoin, trashed it, moved them, you know, and why is he moving markets, by the way? Like, why? I think there's this is all insane. This guy is insane. Okay, I think he's I think there's a lot there. I think he has a lot of skill. Yeah. But but I think his his principle I mean he's obviously a good a good manager, right? He drives stuff forward, right? But I do think his principal skill is figuring out how to extract money from governments and suckers. Yeah. And uh, you know sometimes same same, right? Um I can't imagine what it's like to be at Ford or be at Lockheed and be looking at that guy thinking this guy is a showman, right? He's 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 there's not much there. Well, but I'm the space thing that is that's exactly what i've heard from uh from executives from the from the automakers about about elon now you you they will never be on record as saying that but 
they they definitely are not uh, they definitely are seriously skeptical of him. How could you not and be? I I have no idea. Um, especially well, because like like seeing these big car manufacturing operations in person in person is absolutely amazing. It is spectacular, sure. and uh, so I mean it is a really hard endeavor. So you could see why there is a lot of skepticism for for Elon. Yeah, well, I mean, Elon and GM basically uh, they ran out of their their electric vehicle tax credits for purchasers, so they went and told the industry, "You either are going to help me lobby for an extension, or we're going to lobby to eliminate the tax credit." Right, and of course, the all the rest of the autos jumped on board because that's you know they basically like extorted them into into continuing to push for this tax credit. So, I kind of dig that, to be honest with you. That's just good, solid lobbying strategy there. <laughs> hey, I can be with you. I can be against you. You flip a coin, tell me which. Yeah. That's, that, that's America. Elon. Okay. Uh, you guys got some stuff? I, I got, got a few other things, but I'm turning the mic over. I got stuff. You got stuff? I got stuff. All, All right. right let's first, get some stuff. EVs. I mean, staying on the same topic, uh, just this week, Ford announced their electric yeah, man. F-150. Yeah. Um, Biden went to Detroit, drove a truck, gave a speech. Okay, went to the River Rouge plant, right? Went to the River Rouge plant. Um, as, as, as I was saying, one of the most amazing things I've seen in my life is uh, when I toured the River Rouge plant. Um, First time in a plant? I don't, uh, I don't know that it was, but uh, I've, 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 toured, I've toured a few. But this one is, you know, it pumps out a new Ford F-150. Every 50, ah, 50 seconds, 60 seconds, who cares? Like every minute, a forty, fifty thousand dollars vehicle is coming off the line. It is a true modern miracle to, to see something like that in person. It is, it is amazing. So when Ford comes out with this truck that I think actually looks pretty good, um, it, it may be, it probably is my favorite electric vehicle that's been announced so far. I was not really excited about their Mach-E. I didn't really see why that, I mean, I didn't the, see you where they going the, the there. The Mustang? Shut Whatever up. that. Shut <laughs> up. I I, I, I I don't completely understand why they had to destroy the brand. I, I really I don't had to hollow it out. Um, yeah, I'm looking at that truck and I'm thinking it's interesting. And I, I, there's three things that I'm wondering about. Right, one is um, the price point is high. It's seventy thousand bucks draw, for a tricked out. They're they're gonna subsidize it. I read that they were gonna. Oh, try I'm sure for it. I'm sure down. they're gonna try, but it doesn't before matter before the. It's ultimately going to wind Subsidies. up. It's, yeah, it's ultimately going to wind so. up being. Um, look, you can you can walk onto a you can walk onto a to a um, showroom floor and pick up one of these for four, a gas power tricked out one fifty for about forty thousand bucks, right? No way they're going to get it to forty, right? So people are going to pay a premium. They might probably pay a premium. The other thing I, I think about is the battery life. I think people are going to look at it and go, "What's my battery life here?" You know, guys, guys, a lot of people who drive trucks know something about something. So they're going to say, what's my battery life? And if, ah, five to seven years. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to have to come back in here and you're going to put another $10,000 power pack in More here like for me? More like 2025 at We this have point. no idea what it's going to be right. in five or seven years. Could be 50000 bucks, right? That's that. And then I wonder about the Biden thing, right? You know, how, how many people are going to line up to buy a Biden mobile? Well, this you is, know, I mean, by, this, by, this be, is, by being tangled up with this, he's probably actually hurt sales, I think. Th this is the challenge. I mean, the F-150 is the best-selling vehicle in America. It's the best-selling vehicle on the planet. And it, it, it is all, all of those sales comprise the entirety of Ford's profit. You, you look at the sales of 150 and Ford's profit, it's the same number every year. It is. And so it is, 
it, it's it's a pretty compelling vehicle. True. Um, but the question is, is that there's obviously compromises like there always is with electric vehicles. How well are people going to say, hey, there are some benefits here? Like, are construction guys really going to use the 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 eleven electrical outlets on it? I have no idea. You you can you can see a use case where that works, but sure. also the. You know, the problem with electric vehicles is that the trend in vehicles in the past 10 years, maybe a bit longer, has been to more capable vehicles, Mm -hmm. people going to crossovers, people going to SUVs and like because they want like a car to do everything, the vehicle to do everything. And this is not that. Um, that is the problem with electric vehicles is that anytime that you have some range limitations, anytime that you have charging limitations, it reduces the capability. And sometimes that doesn't matter. Um, like, you know, Tesla selling a decent number of, of Model 3s. It doesn't necessarily matter a ton, but it does have, yeah, you know, I, we'll see how many I, people. I, wait, it's I, like I, every other I, electric vehicle, right? I mean, the, the typical electric vehicle owner has three other cars, mostly like an SUV, possibly. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be like gonna, this. I think so. Yeah. I think they're going to have, you're going to have someone, you got a construction crew. Maybe they'll buy one or two. See, right? that's actually for the fleet. That's for the, the, guys team, like the fleet, right? right? And that way, they've got it in there, like you said, so they can use the the, the value added yeah. uh, features on the yep. thing. But you know, when they put them side by side, in terms of it, of the durability of of the vehicle, I don't know that the, that it, it's going to yeah. replace. Yeah, we're we're the ice, we're definitely ice F one fifty. We're definitely live here, and I think you're right. I think it's going to be mostly fleet vehicles, right? Not not even big ones, but you know, ten, twelve, and a construction company, right? Um, can't not going to be able to use it in a third. And by the way, a, a that's perfectly country, fine. Right? I mean, in a free market, I welcome that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, but none oh, yeah. of this is free. Everything is costing us well, money. The tr- quote unquote forced transition that's going on, right? Every time I hear the phrase, "Well, we got to invest in these because it's the future." Well, it's your future because you want to spend my money to well, invest in that, it. That was the other thing I was going to say about this thing, right? Um, there's some peril here. There's some peril because, you know, this is the first time that you're going to have a um, an electric vehicle that actual people might buy and people might be aware of. You know, Tesla, that's great for California. But if I walked out and asked 100 people in the streets of D.C. about a Tesla – I might get 10 people who go, yeah, yeah, I, I know about that. But a Ford 150, everybody knows about a Ford 150, right? I, I don't know about the streets of D.C. for that. but uh, I'm, I'm talking about like the normal places in D.C. I'm not talking oh, yeah. about the Hale or the White House. Um, the tricky thing about that is that this thing's going to cost 70000 bucks, right? It's going to be 25000 north of the price point of a regular car. And there's going to be an obvious thing that goes on with expanding the EV tax credit, right? There are going to be commercials about this during the political season in 2022 and 2024, and it's going to look like this. Hey, my opponent, you know, Jane Doe, um, congresswoman from Kansas City, um, voted to expand the tax credit so this guy could buy the pickup truck for seventy-five thousand bucks. You pay, you know, you pay forty thousand bucks for, and you're buying some of his truck too. Um, it it. It's going to open this thing up to politics in a way that it hasn't been opened up before. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that because all these guys now are going to have to explain to middle and lower middle income people why they have endorsed tax credits for the rich. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. We've been been beating this drum forever. Tesla's a niche. Tesla's a niche. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows it. Right. I agree with that. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. And combine that with 
the increasing visibility about the supply chain mm. and the two things together. Yeah, uh, man. Well, you know, Fred Hyatt, Fred Hyatt over at the Washington Post six weeks ago wrote the wrote the single greatest column about this. Um, um, and, uh, you know, Fred, Fred's been a um, international reporter for the Post in Russia and China for years and years and years. Right. And the title of the column tells you everything you need to know about it. He called it the Genocide Olympics. Yep. You know how how much how how difficult is it going to be for somebody to again I hate to go back to Abigail Spanberger but she's my congresswoman in Virginia seven when she votes to expand the EV tax credits to say you basically even money to the Chinese Chinese communists you know bang just put it out there right and this the the rising profile of this and this definitely rises raises the profile of this operation makes that a really fraught vote now for the Democrats yeah I want to well. Bolt on to that. Michael Schallenberger, our friend in California, uh, the the failed nuclear failed zealot, failed uh, former greenie, believes in all this stuff. China made solar cheap with coal subsidies and slaves, not efficiency. Yeah, that was an interesting story. Yeah, this was in, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember where it ran. I don't remember where it ran either. It was about coal and slave labor. Yes. It was pretty, it's pretty standard stuff. We just see... We're going to see lines of attack, and they're going to be political, and that and not coming from us, right? Oh, from everywhere, right? Ooh. That's the great, the beauty of all of this is it's uh, starting to penetrate the sure. You know, it's going to come from everywhere. And, and like I said, in 2022, th this vote by the timing of this, but by Ford's timing of this, which they don't care about this part of it, but by this timing, they have now made that EV tax credit expansion vote live very difficult. Some people, I imagine somebody's going to score it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sure, I've got some numbers for you. Lay it on me. Um, I love numbers. Because... That's what I love about Dan. He's the numbers man. <laughs> um, Bring it, baby. I, um, IEA came out with a with a study on uh, on critical minerals a week and a half ago or so, two weeks ago. Did I, did you not did you not read these in my column? Oh, I know. On I, Monday, I. I'm it, telling it, it you right it now, matter. you got to get a subscription it, it, to the Times, okay? It, it doesn't it's matter a if I read them. I want to make sure that all of your listeners, all two dozen of them, have these numbers in their pocket. Well, After 100? Up to 100. Okay. That, 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 that's I'll good. tell you why, because most of our listeners can't read. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here they are. So China does not mine everything in the world. What it does... Um, for all of these important minerals is it processes them. Yeah. Um, China processes 85% of the world's rare earth elements, over 60% of the world's cobalt, which Chinese mining companies own the majority of uh, cobalt mines in the DRC. Um, over They process over 50% of the world's lithium, even though um, Australia mines most of the lithium in the world, and then Chile also adds to that. And they process 40% of the world's copper. Um, all of these cobalt, copper, Lithium. Um, this is this is the materials for this for this new energy economy, and all of these are currently processed in uh, in China. And when Secretary Granholm was asked about that, they don't th people do not have very good answers no. because President Biden, when he in his talk, he talked a lot about made in America. Well, look, dude, this is this stuff all comes from China to be then quote unquote made in America. So and. And then the problem is, is the Democrats are anti-mining, anti-processing, anti-reform. Anti um, 
And look, this has to be on the table. If you want to have more of these minerals and more of this processing here, then we have to, uh, you know, we have to see it. Otherwise, it is a plan to make the United States more dependent on on Chinese minerals. Yeah, and, and we, I mean, here's the thing: we we don't have to. We it should be a market thing, right? I mean, if these if all of this makes sense, it should happen, right? I mean, it's not like. Oh, he's just, you know, you have to have these, you know, investments now. Everything's an investment. The the this is being forced, right? This isn't a this is a forced agenda. Well, like you you one of the first things in terms of mining that the Biden administration did is that they at, not to get totally into the procedural posture of this, but they withdrew a um, an EIS for a for a planned copper mine in Arizona. It's one of the first things they did at res, this yeah. resolution copper mine, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. It probably was illegal, but uh, you know the the point is they come in and it's copper and like you can mine it in the United States where we have the highest environmental standards. Of, in the world, or you can mine at other places. And if, if it's mined it's, here, it gets processed here. It, it, it also is, it's a, I'm going to say it, I call bullshit. Because if they really did care about this stuff and they're forcing stuff on us anyway, oh, yeah. they would move this stuff forward, right? If they wow. really believe this stuff, they well, would be approving well, these mines. Pebble would be, wouldn't be marred in, in bureaucracy. You're never going to approve a major This is not a mine genuine this agenda. This is a political agenda. agenda. It, it, the That's what it is. The other interesting thing about that IEA report was that it um, it said, look, the actual the, the run of the mill, the average time from announcement to production in a mine, copper or otherwise, about 16 years, right? And also the report kind of dryly noted that um, there are no actual new mine projects being proposed in the United States, right, that have gotten gotten through anything yet. So it it it. Well, and I mean, th it, there it, there are three that the that the administration could take up. There's Pebble, there's Rosemont, and then there's Resolution. None of those are going to happen. You know that as well as I do. Um, and, so, so if if, if they are serious, it, but isn't if they're isn't serious, mining infrastructure? See, I just don't think actual no. infrastructure, actually like building no. stuff in America. No, don't be ridiculous. Mining um, is infrastructure. Uh, one, just real quick, I know you got something here, but uh, you remember we brought up Mark Mills's uh, piece in the journal. Last which was around, brilliant, by the way. Which was focusing on the IA report. IA responded in LTE in the journal that ran today. Who did? Um, IEA. Yeah. Mark Mills's um, op-ed provides an erroneous and incomplete summary of the findings of our recent report. Our analysis is blah, 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 so on and so forth. While it warns of a mismatch between the world's strengthened climate ambitions and the availability of these essential critical minerals, the report specifically shows that these challenges aren't insurmountable. In fact, we provide six key areas of action for poly policymakers to ensure that critical minerals enable an accelerated transition to clean energy. And of course, the IEA is absolutely committed to helping countries address climate change, including their ambitious, their ambitions to reach net zero by 2050. Okay, well, one, one thing about that, the person at the IEA who was leading that report is uh, a guy named Dave Turk. He's a, he's a solid guy. He's also currently the deputy secretary, the deputy secretary. Of Energy, at, at, at the Department of Energy. So, and what, the IEA is answerable to countries. 
that is what the IEA is. And uh, it's a, anyway, it's another one of those European organizations. Like yeah. I said, done, done, six and done. Six key areas of action. You know what? What annoys policymakers what, what, to jam this agenda down our pie holes. What, what annoys them is is that Mark is a guy. First oh, off, Mark Mills is brilliant, and second off, he's an academic at heart. So he just takes the data and says, "Okay, you guys give me this data. Oh, yeah. Here's what I'm okay, going to do." I give you one one anecdote for that. He eviscerated this whole notion that the pandemic proves that we don't need, we don't, we'll drive less because people aren't commuting. He crunched the numbers and showed that actually vehicle miles travels increased if the world, if the people that worked from home during the pandemic continue to work at home. Ultimately, VMTs will increase because people are driving around more during the day, running errands, and then on weekends, people people got out of town more during the weekend, loaded up their big SUVs, oh. and carried a whole bunch of stuff around. So, so I, he's I heard, he's awesome. Like I, this is a shout out to Mark. Keep keep up the good work, man. I I heard that from a automobile executive last fall that uh, that trips for pleasure had increased, which kind of came as a as a surprise, but. Um, as soon as you thought about it for a couple oh, seconds, I'm sure. I'm sure you have idiots all over the country renting out 45 foot RVs and driving <laughs> all over the west. <laughs> Ten wheeler, baby. <laughs> honk, honk. All right, one more thing on Tesla, and then we're gonna wrap this segment up. Unless you got something, unless you guys have something else on, on Tesla or on I, on EVs, Tesla, um, all hypocrisy, I'll, everything I'll, I'll, else. I will say what, what, one more one more quick thing. Yeah, so, quick thing, quick thing. One we'll, more. We'll, we'll see. 45%, and IER has written about this before, but 45%-ish of the world's polysilicon comes from uh, Xinjiang province. Um, what is the Biden administration going to do to make sure that we, the United States, in its aggressive goals, both its building goals and its energy goals, that the federal government is not buying the product of slave labor? It doesn't matter because it's not in their lane. It's not their lane. You it's saw, not in you their saw lane. Kerry. You saw Kerry gave that response. Yeah, he, he he's a terrible person. Slavery's not in my lane either, but I, I'm not sure. I, like most Americans, don't want to buy stuff produced by slaves. Excuse me, enslaved people. Washington Free Beacon, May 19th, Andrew Styles. Like most celebrities, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> <laughs> doesn't always play by the rules. Sources inform the Washington Free Beacon that the socialist congresswoman's white Tesla was parked illegally outside the Whole Foods near her posh apartment complex in Washington, D.C. Ocasio-Cortez's office did not immediately return a request for, request for comment on the parking scandal. <laughs> this part, the there whole... is more than sufficient evidence, however, to conclude that the illegally parked white Tesla belongs to her. I'm sorry, this is Whole Foods where? <laughs> Next to her posh uh, apartment. Navy, Navy Yard. In Navy Yard. Is that is that that's like on the Fourth Street? Is that right across the street from the Department of Transportation? That Whole Foods should be, yeah. Or, or no, no, be. it's 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 the Whole Foods. Or is it the Whole Foods right up against the highway there? I bet you it's the Whole Foods right up. That's a Harris Teeter. Whole Foods right up against the highway. Everybody parks illegally outside that place. You, there's no parking. You, you got no choice. Mm -hmm. Of course, but yeah. Besides, she's a member. She's of Congress. a rule maker, not she's a rule a, breaker, she's sir. A member of Congress, come on. So come on. Besides, she's getting hunted down by that that horrible person, the reporter, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, who thinks that because she's a socialist, she shouldn't be allowed to sit in Congress? I don't have the heart to call up that office and say there have been a lot of socialists who sat in Congress in the last <laughs> 150 years. This is one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite lines. 
Come on, ladies. This is There's one of my favorite lines, people. right? The significance of this parking scandal remains to be seen. <laughs> At the very least, it could undermine Ocasio-Cortez's <laughs> credibility in her ongoing quest to transform the United States into a socialist paradise. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I told you, Andrew Styles. Oh, that is Washington to, Free that Beacon. Is you have that to, is, you have to feel over illegal parking on the streets of D.C. Seriously. Uh, her policy advisor, Dan Riffle, wants to abolish billionaires, yet the congresswoman appears to enjoy consuming the products of her capitalist ingenuity, of their <laughs> capitalist ingenuity. Tesla, for example, is run by a billionaire, as is Whole Foods. Uh, Jeff Bezos, right? Yes. Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bezos post. Anyway. Bezos Whole Foods. It's gotten much better since he bought the place. No, I think it's gotten worse. I have actually. no idea. How in the hell would anybody know? Who I shops at Whole Foods? I buy my meats no. there. I buy my, I buy my stuff there. I buy my... You are a communist. No, I buy you my are. meats look, there. Hippies and commies are the only people who shop at Whole Foods, Tom. Have you seen the price of arugula at Whole Foods? Yeah, that's why I know only hippies and commies. Normal that people can't Obama, afford that stuff. Way, in, in Iowa, <laughs> during his campaign, <laughs> seen the price of he's like, hey, have you seen the price of arugula at Whole Foods? <laughs> He forgot. He was not informed there were no Whole Foods markets in the entire state of Iowa. Oh, but that, he's that, totally in touch. That that was amazing. Right. All right. Okay. What's I'm done with EVs. I'm done with Elon. Me too. What do you got next? The AOC scandal will uh, continue yeah. to plague America, <laughs> on the, or at least on the streets of DC. Wow. What else, guys? I got three or four things. Bring it. Liz Cheney and the January sixth commission. Ah, uh, so, yes. Okay. Yeah, two things real quick on, on both of those, right? The the media is desperate to make that Cheney thing about Trump, and it's not, right? It's about the fact that conference chair couldn't stay on message, could not herself stay on message, um, which should be at this point devoted towards pointing out the flaws in the in the President Biden's law, not the flaws in the previous president's law. That's one, right? And people need to be aware of that. They need to stop talking about it. If you don't want people to talk about it, you got to stop talking about it first. Um, the January 6th commission, I think the Republicans are wrong to vote against it. I think they should vote for it. 35 of them did. I think all of them should have been in favor of it. I'm concerned about the staffing, but that's probably going to get fixed on the Senate side. The reality of it is we have 445 people arrested so far. And the most... The most grievous or aggressive charge is for assault, not assault with intent to kill, not insult with a deadly weapon, just assault, right? Or criminal trespassing, if you prefer. Um, and we still have about 300 people sitting in jails without bail because of it. Um, we have one homicide. Somewhere in solitary or something. Correct. Right? This is insane. Correct. They're, they're kept outside the gen pop. We also have ourselves, now that we know now that we know that Officer Sicknick did not, in fact, die of his injuries, that he, in fact, died of something else entirely and off campus, um, what we have is one fatality involved in this, a protester. We do not know by whom that protester was shot or insurrectionist was shot. We do not know who the shooter worked for or what he was doing there. We don't know what the rules of engagement were. We know none of that stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily know in a police shooting. Um, I think we should have a commission just to, just to air all this stuff out. And I don't care if all we talk about is January 6th. I'm perfectly comfortable talking about January 6th, and I think the Republicans should be as well. Yeah, I think if the Republicans— Because this thing uh, has been overblown, the Republicans, overblown. The, I think the, they would like the narrative to be that the Republicans— What do you have to hide? 
I think what, why are you trying to protect the president? I think blah, we should, blah, 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 right? I think we should. So I kind of agree with you. Like, we okay, you want to have this commission? Have it out. Let's have it out. And then they can actually have, theoretically anyway, have a say in the construction sure. of it. Sure. Right? Let's Otherwise, have it out. They're going to do it anyway. It's going to be a Nancy Dog and Pony That's show. right. They're going to do so. it anyway, and we're not going to get any answers. And what's more is nobody, nobody's going to know that those 445 people are charged with nothing. Yeah. You know, with 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 stuff that with stuff that basically the charges you come out of a bar fight on a Saturday night, right? Drunk and disorderly, punching a guy in the mouth, criminal trespass, stuff like that. So we're making a mistake. Yeah, there. and the other thing is is the the, and I I have tons of respect for the Capitol Police. Uh, this is not a, a slight on them, but they're not exactly the most transparent police force in the country. And making having an airing out on their security measures. And or lack thereof uh, ought to be part of that commission as well. Doesn't should be part, of the, part of the conversation. I, I'm a, who gave the order? Right. Yeah, I mean, how orders? how did it get so? How is it so easy? Yeah, man. It's not easy. I worked in that building back before nine eleven. It wasn't easy to get into the Capitol back then. Yeah. It. it so it, I, it, I it's I don't all. See where, it all needs to air out. You're right. I don't but, see where as the you truth. say. As you always say. Eventually, the truth comes yeah, out. Yeah, man. It, truth comes out. Might as well come out while you're on while you're on the watch, right? One other thing happened is you want to say something, Dan? Only that there should be a com- oh, the Republicans should have voted for it. Just that. And I hope they will eventually. Um, I have one other thing that happened. It's been happening in slow motion, but I think it it reached a it reached a pitch this week um, that I I'm comfortable now saying is the break. Is this breaking news? Uh, it's not breaking news, but it's it's breaking news in the American Energy Alliance it, podcast. It's a breaking. By the it, way, a producer, we need to start getting some sound effects, like a gong. We need to work on some. Gong. I, I was going to say a that, horn. That is, that, that, we that, need a gong. That that needs the Rush Limbaugh, whatever his. <laughs> it's a prediction, and not that Mr. Trump's not going to run again, because I wrote that in the column that ran yes, yesterday, and I got you know my usual gang of hundred comments. Ranging from you, sir, are a genius to you, sir, are a moron. And it's amazing, it's amazing he let you write anything. Um, Speaker, Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi's been working on this drug pricing bill, right? And what happened last week What happened last week was 30 Democrats wrote her a letter and said, yeah, we're not wild about this. We're not wild about the path this is go- going down. I mention it mostly because people are starting to understand. And when I say people, I mean members of Congress are starting to understand that they actually have some authority. You know, they they have those 30. You mean the, the Problem Solvers Caucus? It, but this wasn't the Problem Solvers Caucus. <laughs> so what's their problem? This was just whatever. This is just <laughs> this is just 30 people. I'll come back to come back to that in a second. This is just 30 people who've been worked on by by former lobbyists. Right. But the former guys are right. There's no such thing as negotiation with the United States government. Right. I mean, it's like negotiation with a crime family. So that 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 drug pricing legislation is dead. It's dead, and those 30 House Democrats killed it. And I thought to myself, just like I thought to myself, you know, that that this um, Buttigieg and Granholm being in front of the microphones change, changes things, This thirty, these 30 people change things, right? Because now people have seen it, and they're like, yeah. huh, and we're going to see it on the tax side too. The New York House Democrats, with two exceptions, Kathleen Rice, who's in leadership, and um, your traffic scofflaw. Signed a letter saying we're not going to sign up for any kind of tax reform that doesn't um, reinstitute the salt deduction. That's enough to scuttle the whole thing, right? And I wrote my in my little monthly note. I'm like, you know, the difference between problem solvers and New York Democrats is 
New York Democrats might be serious. Yeah, I don't know. Though. They might that's actually big, just do it. That's a that's a but how did that's I mean, an odd but, sword to fall on, man. It's I, like I, I, it's I, so I, perfect for messaging for know, Republicans. It's, it's like it's oh, epic, but you will you'll kill the Biden legacy because you want you, your high tax state to get a you, tax deduction for your you, high taxes. If you think about um, if you think about the Democratic donor base, they can't have that. They've got to have that deduction back and. They cannot have an increase in the capital gains rate because these guys are all – it's center cut of the Democratic coalition. They're, but they're but all the, moving to Florida. No, that's not right. We all put, these rich Democrats – Some are, but most, most Democrats – Most of the donor the – actual, the actual donors making six, 800000 bucks a year, couples live in New York, live in San Francisco. You go back and you look at the zips, the 10 zips that pay the most – in the in capital gains, eight of them are represented by Democrats. Just so, two of them are Republicans. But the other thing about New York Democrats is that uh, they might get things done, but they can be bought off. So what's the price? Yeah, I mean the only the only the only other thing they can do to make those guys feel better cut the capital gains proposed increase. The, the, and, so, and and so you're a Democrat booster. You're you're either going to get your your federal deduction for your high state taxes. Or not quite as high of a tax on your corporate tax rate. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you so much, man. Yeah. You're really looking out for us. And, and that's you know that's the, 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 the bigger the bigger picture here is, just like drug pricing is falling apart, the tax thing's going to fall apart too, right? Because the, the 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 reconciliation rules are like this. You can't say the IRS is going to enforce the laws better. Right. Oh God, I know it's ridiculous. But dude, that's a seven hundred billion like dollar score. This is like the cap. This is like the. It's the, the single biggest piece. Yeah, of, yeah. It's insane. It's it, like it, it's seven hundred billion dollars. It. The parliamentarian is going to rule it out of order immediately, right? And capital gains isn't going to be what it is. Um, salt deductions coming back in. This thing is like gone from being, hey, we're going to have two trillion dollars in taxes, tax increases, to. Corporate tax rate might go from twenty one to twenty five percent. That's it. We'll raise three hundred billion dollars and we'll be done. So, it's. Um, I guess what I'm. Th I guess what I'm thinking. My big theory of, of this week is, we are finally game is finally on. Well, this administration is finally showing some cracks, and the narrowness of the majority in the House, especially, is showing some some. Something it goes back to your theory is is they're going to get maybe two more reconciliations. Yeah, I don't even they'll think use, that. They're going to get they'll one use now. one for infrastructure with the crap that the Republicans don't agree to in the, in the first round, and then something else, hopefully, maybe by the midterms, and that's the end of the story. And that's that's where this yeah. is heading, right? Yeah, I, I don't think— Which is good for the country. I think we're going to have one reconciliation, and it's going to get done in September, and it's going to get tangled up with the end-of-the-year stuff that the FY22, FY22 approves. Next year, they're going to be talking about extending— Whatever they didn't extend in reconciliation, child tax credit is probably the number one thing on that list, right? Um, that's pure election play. Yeah. Pure election play. Probably a gun thing too. Stuff like that, right? And, and the Republicans still haven't learned their lesson maybe? I don't know. If no, they haven't. They, they, because they're quote-unquote negotiating you're talking about the infrastructure thing? Billion, $800 billion or whatever. Is it's a not a negotiation. Then what is it? What do you mean what is it? it? It's, it's a struggle for relevancy? It's a photo op. It's a photo op for Biden. Yeah. You know, he's drugged him up twice, taken yeah. a bunch of pictures. He can say, I'll talk to these guys. We just can't talk reason with them. And that's why we got to jam them on reconciliation. You know, and, and it, 
It's a photo op. I, I don't even know why they're wasting their time. And the White House readout of both of the meetings has basically confirmed that, well, we don't really have any agreements on anything. And now the Republicans are starting to negotiate with themselves. Well, okay, 650 isn't big <laughs> enough. How about 850? We could go to 950 it's if you again, want that. I go all the way back to the beginning here with Bob Michael. Yeah, man. It's like Republicans, it was Hillary's health care plan. And the, the Bob Michael idea was, well, let's just do like a, like a national takeover of healthcare, but just not quite as much. Yeah, I. I it's the same thing every time with these guys. You, you right? know, you know how I respect Senator McConnell. You he, know, he's he's not he's not in the right place. No, he's one. well. He's, this okay, is what he, he does not do this well. Okay, he, my understanding is from sources that he's not doing much these days at all. Yeah, he's kind of hanging out at home, like figuring out what he's going to do next. I think that's so. Right. Yeah, and and I I respect Senator Capito a lot. But um, I'm not sure that the leadership there is as good as it could be. Maybe I should just say that. Yep. Good. Fair enough. All right. What do you got, Dano? Got anything? I'm good. You're good? Okay. I got one. Gina McCarthy. Oh, yeah. Gina McCarthy came out and said that carbon, carbon taxes are not a substitute for regulations. We need both. There will, there will not be a swap of any kind. The, the problem is too grave and too strong. So Tom, here's who, my who question. Has, who, who has said that for years? Well, I mean, <laughs> but she killed it right there, right? You know, and and yet. Did she say that flying back to Boston? Yeah, on her weekend trip. <laughs> yeah. It's like carbon taxes. You cannot replace regulations with a carbon tax. So I ask you both. Why does the Climate Leadership Council or the Alliance for Market Solutions still have a board of directors and still have donors? Because they have been at this for five, six, seven years yeah, now. And they CLC have, for seven or eight years. And, and they just announced a six-figure, multiple six-figure bid. I think this was buy. our friend Alex. Yeah, they're going to buy. To yeah. continue to encourage Republicans to support a carbon tax and a regulation swap. I mean, what I, yeah, is I'm, that all about? I'm assuming the, you first. I, I was just going to say, I, I don't, I, I don't under. I mean, these guys were very impressive in their ability to raise money from people to, to, uh, to promote a carbon tax. Let me just say that because I, it, like, they, they're good. They're good at fundraising. Yeah, I, I, I you asked how long is it going to go on, or some variation on that. I assume until Alex Flint's last child's out of school. <laughs> Right. As soon as, as, soon so as he gets his, enough for his, right. his vacation house. Right. As soon as he gets his last right. kid out of college, Alex would get up and say, I, I, hey, just I did my best. I did my best, did my carried best. as far as I could. The other thing that cracks me up about this is our friends in the media treat him like they're legit. Oh, yeah. Like, it's always the same four people they interview. This is growing. Yeah, man. This growing crescendo of support for carbon taxes and, you can't, and they climate can't, And they can't solutions. find a single, they can't find a single elected official on who go on the record and say, yeah, I'm definitely in favor of Republican now. Well, I, I, I was going to say, th they've had some of those in the past, though, Mike. D yeah, no longer with us. Bob Inglis and no, Carlos. we got an, uh, what's his name there, reintroduce his bill this year. Fitz, Fitzy, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Brian Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Okay, so one guy, good for him. Um, and this should probably be our obligatory plug, Stephen Scalise. The very excellent um, minority whip has has or is about to reintroduce his carbon resolution. Yes, the American is, Energy Alliance fully supports carbon tax resolution. resolution we do carbon tax. We we do. I will also say, and we'll be scoring co-sponsorship of said 
resolution. Yeah. I'd rather just vote on a carbon tax. Oh, yeah. I've said that for years. Let's just put a carbon tax on the floor and have everybody just... And you know why, has, why is Schumer can put put it on the floor tomorrow? Why not? Uh, you Let's know what? have the vote. So at the end of every if Friday, it's a crisis, if it's an existential okay. threat, do it. Can I take care of some some business while we're here? At the end of every Friday, uh, can I reserve the right to edit it out? You can. <laughs> at the end of every at the end of every Friday's pipeline, you have a list of people who are opposed to a carbon tax. Yes, sir. I think you should change that to a list of people who call upon Congress to vote on a carbon tax. Yeah, I'll check with them. We are done fooling around. Let's vote. That's what I've been saying for a couple of years. Let's vote because you know how that vote's going to go. And so does Alex Flint. And so does whoever the hell is at the CLC now. Um, who's at the CLC? Right? Who cares? Joe Rom. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's a Republican. <laughs> okay, so. It boggles the mind. The yeah. whole thing boggles the now, mind. Now, here, here's my here's my assessment, and I, I'm going to um, agree with uh, a CNN correspondent, Fareed Zakaria, on this. Um, if the Republicans would simply Not so. drive out their demons and come to terms with the modern world, we would have a bipartisan agreement on climate change. The modern Republican Party has its roots in rebellion rebellion against the main currents of change in modern American society. The growth of the welfare state, the secularization of life, and the increasing diversity of American society. The trouble is, most Americans don't agree with that protest. They may express discomfort with the welfare state in theory, but in practice they love Social Security, Medicare, and the rest. Secularization is a force that is sweeping almost all advanced industrial societies, and one government can do little to stop. And America's growing diversity is inevitable in a country built on immigration, and has proved mostly to be a strength, not a weakness. But Republican politicians are now riding the back of a tiger, and they can't get off. Reagan, Gingrich, Trump, all the icons on the right whip their followers up into a froth of hysteria and promise that they will repeal and reverse most of these terrible trends. But of course it never happens, which makes the Republican base get more and more angry. And as their sense of betrayal grows, so does their sense of desperation that American civilization is in imminent danger of collapse. There is a great and honorable space in America for a body of limited and efficient government that values traditionalism, and that believes that social change should take place slowly and organically. But that's different from a band of ideological warriors with apocalyptic visions that fear the end of days, see opponents as traitors and devils, and believes that all methods are sanctioned in its battle to save civilization and itself. In short, the Republican Party needs to have a political exorcism, drive out its demons, and come to terms with the modern world. I'm Fareed Zakari. Thanks for watching this special. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I thought I, I thought I have thought to he shout was going out to, to my say. friends at MRC. 
the uh, media research center for busting that quote up because I do not watch CNN any, I, anymore. I, but I, man, did you see the imagery on this? I, clip, I expected dude. the end of that to say, "I am Fareed Zakari, and I approve oh, this message." It because was, it was it was a it was a Democratic <laughs> campaign commercial. I dug the music. It was very. I wasn't. Very, I wasn't. Oh, I wasn't, wasn't that li- beautiful, guys. I wasn't oh listening. I was listening to words. So, by the way, uh, is he an American citizen? <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I don't. I honestly don't know. I I mean, that was. It was brilliant. It was. You you know, there is nothing. It it would be difficult to make that more over the top. There is nothing better than taking a bunch of advice from people who know who who you you know for a fact, and who say that they do not mean you well. I mean, it's just. It's. (laughs) Yeah. The the only Republicans should all listen to that and uh, pay absolutely no attention to what he says. Anything else on your list, Mr. McKenna? No, I'm done. Mr. Simmons, welcome. Uh, pleasure to have you with us for well, the, for the entire. Well, that's not gonna carry for away. the entire episode, and uh, it was we'll mu- get some feedback from our audience. It was it was much less annoying if, than we expected. Uh, they like what they see. Maybe we'll have a, a recurring. Maybe this will be a recurring. You know, deal. My, yeah, we'll, my, we'll my, there, my hope is. I mean, it's hard to share the spotlight and all. But, <laughs> my hope, you know, my hope is is that is that the Honorable Daniel J. R. R. Simmons, Robinette. Yeah, all that matters is you got the honorable. Um, the honorable Dan Simmons uh, eventually just takes my place here, so I can go back to take my naps. Normal. No, no, no. This show is not this. This is this is not the same show. This is not the unregulated podcast without Mike McKenna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I got a clip of the day. Thank God, it's a Biden supercut because <laughs> you can't have too much Biden. <laughs> you ready? That's why I'm asking people to continue to follow CCD guidance, CDC guidelines. The PPP needed to open our schools and businesses. The JOPCA, so that we, you know, LGBTQ people can shoot just as straight as anybody else. <laughs> they had one H1 virus, as well as there's more than one, one, you know, coronavirus. This, this, this COVID nine is one strain of that. Supply of those N95 masks, excuse me, 96 masks. No. To serve as a director of the. David knows AFT well. PPPs, masks, gloves, all the sanitation. Every CBC and other, if you name four outlets. Look, the promise of the Cures Act is that your average worker, to make sure we have enough PPP, those those protective gear in the CBC oh, he means parking lots, parking lots. I forget the other one he mentioned. PPP, the mask, and the gowns, and all the gear. <laughs> <laughs> And I will I will note that we did not have a COVID section yeah. of today's episode. I'm moving on, ladies and gentlemen, just like the virus. That's it. It's a wrap. Peace.